Welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me at the Wacomonic Branch Library in Georgetown County, South Carolina, where um, I get to do games in libraries. And I'm here with Stephanie Fry. Hello. And uh, she is my site manager for the Wacomonic Branch Library. Uh, when I am off at other libraries, she gets to take control and uh, run her mad, mad shenanigans. Fun times. Such shenanigans. Speaking of uh, mad shenanigans, you were out of town a month or so back, and, and we never had a chance to talk about it. Yeah, I have kind of been all over the place since then. So, uh, uh, talk about uh, ALA Midwinter. ALA Midwinter was fantastic. Ah, it was so huge. I was not sure what to expect from a library conference. Um, lots of people, lots of librarians, lots of booksellers too, which that makes a lot of sense. Yep, yep. Um, and so many people to share ideas with. I got to meet a bunch of the people from the uh, Ready to Code cohort. And so we got to hang out, share ideas, um, collaborate on the toolkit that we're all working on so that should be fantastic yes um and so i think that from having been to conventions large and small both you know now for library a few times and fandom a while they are always more exciting when you can find people to connect with there they really are Yep, whether you bring them with you or whether they are folks you find on site. And actually, I think if you can find someone on site that you get along with who's not part of your home library, you're probably going to get a lot more out of it. Oh, and I actually found a couple there. We started growing it up after we realized we were all attending the exact same panels because the uh, the RTC folks gave us a list of suggested slash recommended slash some of them required panels. Uh, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and every single one of them was fantastic. Um, there were some on how to better get statistics from your programs. There were some about uh, different kind of programs to teach kids all kinds of technology skills. Um, and then you just had the ones where we were collabing and spitballing ideas and trying to figure out what we wanted the framework of the ready-to-code toolkit to look like. So, uh, before we get to the ready-to-code toolkit, which is a big, big deal, uh, how did they, or how did you, either or, prep yourself to bring home these ideas? Because if you're at a convention for two, three, five days, however long you were there, there's a lot of stuff that's thrown at you, and it's really easy for a lot of it to sort of get lost in the wash. The big thing that they did, which is probably the best idea that I've seen when it comes to we want this group of pe people to carry these ideas home was there was a panel with the NC WIT people um, and they were talking about diversity and inclusiveness in coding and uh, computational thinking. But what they did before that panel, uh, right as it was about to start, is they handed everybody a journal and they had everybody decorate it and it was our journal for the weekend. Mm. And so we could write all of our ideas and epiphanies and people's uh, information that we needed to get in contact with or just take any kinds of notes that we thought were important. So it's been really fantastic just because if I'm like, oh, I was surrounded by so much information. What what did I actually pull? 
I can always just go back to that little journal and pull the info from it. Right. And I, I reckon I recommend that if you're doing something like that, that when you go to a new panel, you start a page with that panel. Just like you're taking minutes from a meeting, but it makes it a lot easier for me to find to find what's going on when I'm when I'm having to come back from a long weekend. That's a good idea. I actually kind of ended up organizing it in sort of like I think I would put a lot of the same stuff on the same page where it's like these are uh, different programs that are like like the Google Digital Applied Skills or you know, program ideas, and then one for, like, contact information and that kind of thing. Nice. Uh, well, yeah, okay, that that also makes a whole lot of sense. It's, it's almost like you work in a library where we catalog and classify things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because everybody does have their own way of, like, oh, I want it by panel or, oh, I want it by data. I tend to try and put the same kind of information in the same place on the different pages. Um, but I frequently find myself running out of space and drawing lots of arrows and it does look kind of like a crazy person notebook, I guess, by the time I'm done. So, Hey, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, you've mentioned quite a few interesting groups or, or activities. Uh, what would you like to leap into first? Um, that's, that's hard. I did mention the NC, uh, wit people. So yeah, let's talk good. about that. Uh, were fantastic they did a whole presentation about how um a lot of times it's males getting into code and that some of that is perhaps the way that we try to include code and some of their big deal was trying to present coding and computational thinking in different ways like look at what women are interested in and then try to address those interests with computational thinking. Like, they had a bunch of data from some surveys about what kids wanted to be when they grew up. And mm. so many of these little girls wanted to be veterinarians or work with animals in any capacity. So they were talking about, you know, presenting to these kids projects where you might make something that you're going to use with animals, such as um, GPS collars for pets. That way you can track them or maybe some kind of cool wearable thing that blinks on your pet's collar. Yeah, as you can find it when it gets out of so far from the house. As well, yes, and as well as uh, addressing, you know, what other coding computational thinking stuff how it applies uh later in like how maybe veterinarians will print out uh limbs for pets that might have lost a leg or that kind of stuff yes i I tell you what i you know even rolling back the actual exercise i like the idea that instead of people picking up and saying oh we're gonna just say this is a girl topic so we're gonna cover a girl topic Instead, finding out, well, this is what the people are interested in, and it just so happens we have a lot of folks who don't normally engage in these kinds of programs, whether it's, you know, girls or whatever. I don't know how you break it down, but that, yes, we now want to to address that particular kind of thing, and and we're going to use that as a way to sort of focus our programs, which isn't saying that other people aren't also invited but, uh, yeah, I, but I like yeah, that a lot. But, yeah, you're, you're targeting your group, and it's 
fantastic. It's like, wow, using data that from this other thing to target. And it's or, you're, just, or you're letting that group target itself, really. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so that was really interesting. That's um, nice. They were also talking about having uh, a lot of time girls are really social. So having sort of coding sessions where it's like you're bringing a friend to make stuff. Ooh, I like the idea of that. Bring bring a friend. Yeah, it's like bring a friend and just sort of hang out and make stuff together. Um, which they had, they had a term for that kind of programming. Uh, homago, hang out, mess around, geek out. I think it's, it's from a book. Okay. Of the, of the same title, homago. Well, activity-wise, that sounds really neat. I don't know if the word's ever going to catch on, but maybe it will. I heard it a lot over the weekend. Um... So yeah. Yeah, but we're in South Carolina. Oh yeah. You use the word homago. There's no telling what kind of pushback you'll get. That's very true. I'm gonna be like, what is yeah. homango? Mm. What does that mean? Okay, well that's neat. Uh, was there any other you know, particular highlights from them? Uh, we will put. I will try and get all of these URLs and information from Stephanie to put this in the show notes so that you can go and check out the sites. Yeah, so NCWIT is the National Center for Women and Information Technology. Um, and what was super fantastic about them is they had so many statistics, and that was super fascinating. Like, they had flyers that showed, um, like, how many women were graduating and going to anything coding or programming related versus male counterparts. Um how many were doing like math fields and it's kind of amazing to see how low those numbers are considering you know 50 percent of the population um i tell you what their website has got a lot of resources on it oh it does the other really fantastic thing that they do is they do i feel like it was some kind of competition or like scholarships where basically they they award scholarships to young women who engage in coding stuff, and then those women go and run events at places that have basically signed up to like host. And it's just it's fascinating all the stuff they do. Right. Yeah. If you look under their programs under the awards, they've got a lot of interesting stuff under there, but. They've got uh, categories on resources and tools, programs, alliances, news and events, and, and of course, the ever-present About Us. Yes. So uh, go check out their website. Once again, link in the show notes. Uh, and let us know if you've worked with them or if you've used any of their stuff. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. I, I think they call it the, the Aspire program, what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, definitely check them out. they got a bajillion resources. i got lots of posters that are fantastic. We need to put those up in the room. We do need to put those up in the room. They would be so pretty. But yeah, they've got like cool anime stuff on their posters and just all kinds of different projects that people have used computational thinking and coding. Okay, so well, that was uh, the National Center for Women and Information Technology. Go check that out. Let us know what you think. What's next? Um, what's next is uh, let's talk about what they called CS slash CT plus X, which was a fantastic and fascinating concept. And it just rolls off the tongue. It, it really does. It really it? does. Um, 
So it's pretty much it's computer science slash computational thinking plus X. And X in this equation equals uh, teens' interests. Mm. So it could be that you're throwing together computational thinking stuff plus movie making. If you have kids who are in like drama and really love movies, um, it could be music. And maybe you guys are making music videos and that kind of stuff together. They had a lot of really cool looking projects from this. Um, cause they were displaying one where they had the audio of somebody reading a poem with a whole bunch of images and footage that the kids had put together and taken. And it was gorgeous. Um, so it's, it's a really neat thing because it's just a matter of finding what your teen's interests are and then putting that together with computational thinking. And it's fascinating to see how much coding, computational thinking, computer science mm-hmm. has to do with teens' interests. Yeah, well, so it's kind of like what we were doing before when we were talking about let's encourage reading by getting books about video games. You know, it's like you're trying to cross-pollinate, right? Right. So it's like, oh, you are excited about this. Let's Let's move your excitement into... What we're, what else we're doing. So, you know, we have kids who like racing. And so we've got some racing games in here. And now we've got uh, the ability to, to, uh, to sort of focus that in a computational thinking sort of way as well. And so I think every time you can make all of their interests hold hands with things that are of interest to the, uh, you know, with other things that will benefit them as well. That, that, that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's like a force multiplier. Yes. Um, just because that, that attracts them as well as keeping them there and engaged. It's like if you know you have a bunch of kids who love playing Minecraft and you want to teach them coding through Minecraft, just do the whole redstone thing. Yes, yes. All right. Well, so that's pretty neat. And um, that was – what was that again? I'm not ever going to remember that. Oh, it's – I forget the order, but it's CS slash CT plus X. Once again, check the links for the show notes in case we misspoke, um, which I am likely to do. Uh, Stephanie, not so much. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and actually, speaking of CS slash CT plus X, uh, Google is doing that with their digital applied skills. Yes. Um, which is fantastic. If you've done any uh, CS first, it's a lot like CS first, but aimed towards older audiences and geared towards getting kids and college-aged people um, using Word or their slides programs or any of their Google Suite stuff better while also doing some computational thinking stuff. So, like, for example, one of their programs is you're learning to use Excel but it's not just learning to use Excel. It's learning to use Excel by creating a budget. Mm-hmm. So it's using those computer skills plus something that would interest. There's another one that sounds like it uses the entire Google suite to basically help you make a resume and get a job. Uh, oh, so it's probably not Excel, but it's their spreadsheet, their sheets thing that they do on Google. Or is it actual Microsoft Excel? Uh, I'm sorry, not Excel. It's Google Sheets. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Everything that's spreadsheets is Excel to me. (laughs) Oh, uh, you know, that's fair enough. Um, so yes, 
It uses Google Sheets. Um, whereas I think the resume one uses their docs. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these are actually like really, really involved. Like there's a event planning one where it goes all the way through like making a logo slash poster and stuff for your events. That's yes. And, and I tell you what, uh, you know, event planning, especially since we're heading into that experiential economy more and more, uh, the ability to, to set off a good event, we could use some help with that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and actually there was a librarian there who, she is amazing. Um, she's also in the RTC cohort. And what they do is they actually use the event planning one. Um, and so they, they have interns that they pay through grants and stuff they get. And they have those teens go through the event planning, um, digital applied skills course so that they plan an event and then they run that event at the library. Which is pretty neat. That That is exciting. I wonder if the friends here would be able to sponsor something like that. That would be really cool. Um, mm. I'm sure we would have some of the, our teens interested in that kind of thing. Or the next time we apply for a grant. That might we'll, be good. We'll Just, put that in there. I like that a lot because it, it's something that we can open up as a, hey, Everybody, you know, come and apply and get the kids doing that and give them that experience and and right and, and work them through it. Yeah, it's a matter of also like that's really good stuff for their resume as well as paying them for their time. I wonder if Josh is going to be here long enough for us to make him do this thing. I have no idea. Hmm. But it was interesting because she she said she did it this way because her older teens a lot of times had to. Uh, work to contribute income to their families so this was a way of getting them involved in the library and enabling them enabling them to do those kinds of activities that's brilliant it, it was i was just like applause well yep what's next what's next is okay so now you got all this cool crazy program stuff uh how do you get good stats out of it oh yes. um so the big thing was talkback boards, which basically figure out what data you actually want to get from your kids, like if they had fun doing this program, if they would like to see more of this kind of program, or maybe things like if they could see themselves going into careers involving, you know, computational thinking or that kind of thing. Um, and then basically you put these broad questions on a board, you give them however many stickers or magnets that you want, and then have them stick those stickers or magnets on the board and just get the data from that. Hmm. We should have done that for Shushcon. We should have done that for Shushcon now that I, <laughs> in hindsight. Look, um, we had a lot of other stuff, and Shushcon's another episode. So, all right, this actually, this sounds brilliant because it's you can get little bits of information on a daily basis, Uh Kids love offering their opinions about stuff. Well, everybody does. That's why we have podcasts. Uh, <laughs> right. And what's cool is you can direct it into what you need without being super intimidating, such as write an essay for me about what you thought about this thing that you just did. And if we had a daily question here, then it's one little bit at a time. And we may not get the same people here every day, but we'll have a little bit more information and over you know, 300 days or 
150 days or however many days we do it in a year, that ends up being able to guide us quite a bit on the kinds of stuff that we're looking for. Right. We can sort of gauge what their interests are and get that kind of data. Um, it, it was fantastic, just the whole thing on that, because it's like, wow, this is really simple, but actually gives really helpful data. And it's neat because you can give them a whole bunch of stickers if you want, or just one sticker. That way you can gauge, like, how interested they are, because maybe they put one sticker on a thing, but then put all four on another thing. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah, lots lots of versatility in that idea. Yeah, there really is. So. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else from that, as far as that's, what do you do when you've got this information? I've got all of these stickers all over the place, which is what you're going to have if you give our teen stickers. We are going to have stickers all over the place. We are going to have stickers all over the place. Um, well, and the big thing that he was saying is that make sure you're answering questions, you're asking questions that you want data for. Don't ask anything that you don't actually want data for. Mm. Um, hmm. I, I don't know if that's true. I think sometimes you want to just get people excited about asking your questions or answering your questions, right? Maybe. Um, but we're going to assume they're the authority and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but my idea was like, oh, yeah, like one question a week is just something frivolous. You know, it's like, what one of these things would you might want to go do on your holiday vacation? You know, or, you know, what's your favorite, favorite flavor of Eevee? You know, something like that. And then just... Well, we can absolutely use that kind of data because it's like... If we find out that they much prefer this thing over another thing, we can shift our decorations and stuff in that direction. Uh, so what you're saying is there's no useless information? That's a good question. Is there useless information? I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, anyway, so uh, let's uh, let's move on. It sounds like I have deep thought that into a hole. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pit. And uh, so uh, what's next? Um... I got to hear, so I got to talk to the different cohort people and mm. hear some of the different programs they were doing. And they were doing a lot of very interesting stuff. Um, one of the most interesting projects that everybody got extremely excited about was they were working on a bird feeder that would basically have a, a camera nearby and it would take pictures of the birds and tweet them. So it was tweeting tweeters. Yes, it was tweeting tweeters, which is fascinating. And, and so the kids are working on building this thing and how to code this thing. That That's a neat project. It's a really neat project. We only have so much time. Uh, the other neat thing is that a lot of people were doing projects kind of like that in such a way where... They would have one set of kids play clients, and then the other set of kids would be the ones trying to create something or, or build something that would suit that client's needs. Mm, yes. Which is fascinating. It sounded like this project had stemmed from that. It was cute, though, because the kids had all sorts of ideas. So at one point, I think there was one kid in the design process that was like, but what if we could have a camera that was so tiny that a bird could 
eat it, and we could see the bird's insides. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have a response for that. But as many bird watchers as we have here along the Grand Strand, something like that might be quite popular. You never know. I mean, didn't didn't we have like an owl pellet thing happen around here recently? So. You, yes, we had the uh, uh, the birds of prey come in, and they also had owls with which they uh, the kids got to dissect the owl pellets. So, see, there might be a need for that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, you got me. You got me there. Okay. Uh, um. Uh. One of the other really cool programs that somebody had their kids working with was the kids were using augmented reality technology to like i think they were building an app that depending on your location you could see like certain tags and stuff that would explain the history of the neighborhood yeah so kind of like those little things that you could scan and 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 pull up websites except for this was a little more AR and a little less, hey, I'm just going to go scan something. Right. Which sounds like a fascinating project. That would be really good in, in Georgetown. Yeah, especially with all the history that's uh, that's all over that area. I'm sure if we incorporated graveyards into the mix, we could absolutely get somebody working on that. Yeah, Patty'd be all over that like a cheap suit. Uh, no, uh, and I tell you what, the, the, what, every time we hear about, oh, that's a great project. We should do something like that or we should do something like this. It's like, it's easy to forget all the cool stuff that we have going on here. Um, and, and feel like we're not sort of standing up to the rest of, of what some of our other cohort members are doing. But we just held a con where we taught, what, 20 some odd librarians about computational thinking games and how they can get them into their, into their libraries and, you know, different levels of, of expertise so that they can see these activities. And that's not something I'm hearing about other people doing. So we've got our own way of sort of reaching out. And, but still, every time I hear something that you talk about uh, from the ALA Midwinter, I'm like, oh, oh, we need to do that. Yeah, I, yeah, we, I know, right? We could put a bird feeder out where we can see it here from our windows and, and put up a little camera and get pictures of that. And mostly we know it would be pictures of squirrels, but there'd be birds there occasionally. Right. But yeah, that would be uh, – there's so many cool projects. And I love how all of the cohort are sort of going their own ways and bringing their own experience. And so we're getting very different projects. Um, I, I actually heard about another really cool project, and it was – a, a dart board where basically the darts would complete the circuits. So if you threw the darts into the right places, then stuff would light up. So I really like our patrons. I'm not arming them. That, I, I think they were magnetic. Ah. Oh, okay. That That's better. I don't know. I hope they were magnetic. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I want them to bring magnets around our computers either. That's a good point. That would be terrifying. We could have a flying magnetic dart smack one of the Xboxes. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what, what were they going to do with this? Why was that just to, to show they off? They were the building it. Oh, okay. Like the kids were building the dartboard and then going to play with it. Hmm. Like that's that's the really cool thing. Like they had so many projects that the kids were building and figuring out the sort of designing specifics of it. Nice. Nice. <sighs> there was a lot of information in ALA. 
Well, were there any other organizations or big cool things that you saw there? Any showcase activities? I absolutely adored the ALA armies. This really neat activity that they had. Um, there's a huge, I'm just going to call it the merch room. It's like the exhibit hall. Yeah, it's exhibit hall. Yeah, uh, it's like all of the booths and where you go and buy books and people are signing things. And it's giant and overwhelming. And oh my God, I didn't know where to start. Hmm. Um, but what was really cool is they had the ALAR maze, which there were secret hidden posters all throughout the exhibit hall. So you can bet that I checked every single line of this huge exhibit hall trying to find these posters. Oh, was there a, was there a prize at the end of this maze? Did you get the cheese? I got the cheese. And what was the cheese? The cheese was a copy of Ready Player One. Ooh. So I'm excited. theaters now. Yeah. So I'm going to have to read it before I go see it. No. I think you want to do it the other way around. What? Really? Well, okay. So here's my theory, and I'm sure a lot of librarians are going to be angry with this, with me about this, is that books are, I would say, 80-20 better than the movies, right? Or for every 100 books that are turned into movies, 80 of them are going to be better as books than they are as movies. But on the other hand... If I read a book first and then I watch the movie, I'm going to hate the movie if it's not as good or better. But if I watch the movie first, I might be able to enjoy the movie. And then when I read the book, I will still enjoy the book. I don't know. I usually don't actually get into that whole thing. Like at most, I'll be like, eh. Because if I had read the Harry Potter books before I had watched the Harry Potter movies, I probably would not have enjoyed the movies nearly so much. Oh, that's true. But... Instead, I did it the other way around. I watched the movies, then I read the books, then I watched the movies again. And I could still enjoy the movies afterwards because I sort of knew knew them from before. But, yeah. I actually read the books first, and I didn't really have an issue. Maybe it's because there was so much distance between when I read the books. Oh, yeah, maybe. But. So, anyway, but I'm going to say that the, I've heard that the movie is... Better in some ways than the than the books, but the book is sort of a different kind of creature. So it's kind of like it was inspired by and plot stolen by, but that a lot of other stuff was changed. Interesting. Yes. So probably you could do it in either order and it's not going to matter. Okay. I just know I have to read it now that I have a copy. It's I, like I've been thinking about it and leaning towards reading it, and then I want a copy. And I'm like, okay, now I have to. Yes. Uh, but, oh, so the, the cool thing about it was, I, ne- I never said, the hidden posters had, so basically you would download an app on the Google Store, wherever you download apps, um, and if you held your phone over and scanned the posters, these hidden letters would emerge in, like, just cool 3D. Ooh. It, it was really fancy. I'm seriously going to have to show you at some point, uh, um, which is really cool because they used, I believe the program is called Vuforia for it, right? which makes me go, God, it would be amazing to have a uh, some AR posters or something at Sheshcon next year, uh, just because you can use Vuforia with Unity and make cool augmented reality stuff. You could make the posters automatically change then. From day to day, and I wouldn't have to go through it the middle of the night changing out all the posters. That would be interesting. 
Anyway, wishful thinking. Okay, so cool. It's uh, basically you are augmented reality through your handset, right? Or because you yeah. didn't have to wear a helmet and wander around. No, I didn't have to wear. It. I just used my phone. Looking like someone from Daft Punk. Yep. And then you okay. get a letter, and then you get all the letters, and you unscramble them into the secret word. But it could have been anything. I mean, that's just how they were using the technology. Yes. You could have done a lot of stuff with it. Well, that yeah, sounds you, really You could have had a, like a astronaut pop up. or And the people behind it had a fantastic booth. I think it, they're XR libraries. Um, and they have a lot of interesting information on their website. See the show notes. I'm going to say that a lot in this episode. You really are. Because um, they had a booth with... Basically, all kinds of VR headsets, um, all kinds of augmented reality stuff you could do. Just so much cool technology. And so, uh, Stephanie has a blog article that we have posted on our website, or if we have not, we will have by the time this comes out. And it's going to sort of give her more personal experience of, you know, what she learned and how to do a con of this type. It's a guide of sorts to get how to get the most out of it. And so go and check that out. Check out the Games and Schools and Libraries blog. And, well, that's, I think that's that's about it, unless you have any final parting thoughts. I, I think that's about good, because ALA was just so packed full of stuff and so much information. I feel like I'm really just sort of skimming the surface. Well, okay. So stay tuned for uh, a in an upcoming episode about our ShushCon recap, we talk about the stuff we did, especially with our library and trade day. And uh, also on our blog and probably on the podcast, we'll have reviews of all of our cool coding games that we picked up for this and for the grant and, and on for other things and sort of how you can use it in your library versus um, how you can, you know, sort of incorporate it into your own collection. Yay. Uh, I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Stephanie Fry. And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. For more information about the show and the people who create it, you can head over to InverseGenius.com and also find out more about our other podcasts like Onboard Games, On RPGs, On Miniatures Games, The Inverse Genius Podcast, and The Room Escape Divas. If you would like to be on the show or have questions, comments, or ideas for episodes, please contact us at schoolsandlibraries at gmail.com and let us know. We do have our episodes booked out for several weeks in advance, so if you have something time-sensitive, you will want to contact us as early as possible. <laughs>